Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is Days of All. Good afternoon, everyone. Days of All. Earlier we heard uh, David say that uh, he really likes uh, Margaret, Mark, not Margaret, <laughs> Margaritaville, I mean Margaritas. <laughs> I tell you, I'm going to have to learn the English language someday. But he didn't tell us where he, uh, he was going to say where he, uh, he knows where to get this, uh, this Margarita, but he didn't tell us, did he? So I assume that it must be in Margaritaville. For those of you that know the song. <laughs> Days of all. This word all means a, a feeling of great respect and that is mixed with fear. Sometimes we hear that word used when someone expresses uh, their delight towards something that, that pleases them. Like, uh, that's an awesome motorcycle you have there, Dave. Or, that was an awesome game on television the other night. Curtis, or that was an awesome fish you caught the other day, uh, Larry. A lot of things we use to express things that pleases us with that word. Some of you are probably looking forward to an awesome trip down to San Antonio or up to Branson or over to California or Canada, like Lawrence. I'm sure he's looking forward to that awesome trip. It takes a long time, and you know, I. I really can't uh, get used to long trips, but uh, he's used to it, so it's an awesome trip for him. Anyway, earlier we heard how to do some things to make the upcoming feast, you know, re, uh, to rejoice in it and to find relaxation in it, because feasts can be relaxing and enjoyable. According to a book entitled Essential Judaism by George Robinson, the ten days that start with the Feast of Trumpets through the Day of Atonement are referred to as the Days of Awe. They are also known as the, day, as the ten days of repentance or returning. So in that, there is great respect mixed with fear on the part of some in those ten days that lead up to the solemn Day of Atonement. It's believed then that these days... These ten days should uh, be utilized in searching the soul and turning from sin. So in regard to that view, the ten days of awe are looked upon as a time when God is judging mankind. And the book goes on to state that while the righteous are written in the book of life, the evil are left out. But for the majority of the people, for the majority of people, the book states that judgment is pending until the Day of Atonement. So, believing toward that end, these days of awe are for confession of sins and a pledge to not repeat those sins. Believing that sins are due to a failure to fulfill duties and obligations. So their aim then is to acknowledge them and if possible, to undo them by saying them aloud to those whom they've sinned against to get their forgiveness, and that before uh, getting God's 
forgive, forgiveness. Some of us may uh, be reminded of a, of a TV program called Hello. I think it's called Hello, My Name is Earl. It's about a man, Earl, who had this list of uh, people that he had done some wrong against. And so he goes and he tries to find uh, these people and, and to make amends for the wrong he's done them. And so he says, hello, my name is Earl. I was the, for example, I was the, uh, uh, the boy who broke your big picture window 15, 20 years ago or something. And, and so, you know, there are situations that build from that. So it turns out in a comical way. But in doing so, when he gets all that done, he strikes that off of his list and he goes on to the next one. But the whole deal to me, you know, and some of us may think this way, that it is like opening up a can of worms. For some of those wronged, it no longer mattered, and they've forgotten about it. They've gone on, but then, you know, Earl comes along and he uh, opens up old wounds. The word sin in Hebrew is from a word that means offense, and it's akin to another Hebrew word meaning to miss. It's a term that's applied to archery, meaning, you know, a shot that falls short of the mark or, or from the path. In Romans 6.23, in the New Testament, we see sin is defined. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I must have given you the wrong uh, reference, but sin is the transgression of the law. That's what sin is. It's against God. It's against his law. And scripture makes it known to us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and there is none perfect. So... We can see that sometimes just one miss can cause imperfection. It can cause uh, what we try to do. It just, it just ruins it. <clears throat> While we know that the Christian aim in life is to be like Jesus Christ, we are going to sometimes miss the mark and fall short in our duties and in our obligations in doing the will of God both in large and, and small ways. We say things, we do things, and we just miss the mark that Christ uh, set for us. But we start over and we try to correct our aim, to adjust it, and so on. It's not that it's our good that will uh, achieve our own salvation, but, uh, but we look to Jesus Christ to help us along the way, to be our guide, to be our instructor to be uh, the one who helps us aim for, for that mark. We know that on the archery range, I've never been on one, I've never even really uh, drew back a bow, but I know there's, you know there's a bullseye there that you try to hit the target. And depending on the distance and the power of the bow, you sometimes have to aim a little above the target so that it will arc right into the bullseye. You have to aim high. And there are other adjustments that you have to make in order to uh, you know, get good at uh, hitting the bullseye. But when your arrow misses the mark, uh, you begin to see where it is and how short it may fall, and then you make adjustments, and you go and pick up all your arrows, and you put them back in your quiver, and you start over, and you just keep on keep keeping on until you get good at hitting the target. And the more practice you put in, your aim becomes more uh, adept, or you become more adept. In our lifetime, we're going to fall short in many ways. We're going to uh, not hit the mark that we want to do. And we're going to experience ups and downs as, as a result. And along the way, we're bound to cause offenses 
in missing the mark and how a Christian should be. So our Christian aim is to be like Jesus Christ, our Savior. But all glory belongs to him because he is holy. He is righteous. We know that we are not perfect. We miss the mark, but we look to him to lead us, to guide us. To be like Christ, of course, is to follow his example by reading his word, by looking to his word, and by practicing those things that we see in overcoming sin and temptation. But we can never save ourselves by doing our own works because it's by grace that we're saved and that not of ourselves. Sin is against God. If we confess our sins, in 1 John 1, 9 it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if we feel we are personally wrong by someone and, and it bothers us, then uh, we, we should, uh, as the uh, Bible instructs us, to go to that person privately, do it first, as scripture says, and sometimes the offender may not e even know he has wronged someone because sometimes we all misperceive, we uh, misinterpret, we misunderstand uh, things. So we follow the scripture. Then in James 5, 16, it says to confess your faults to one another and pray for one another. If we, if we are shown to be in the wrong or in the fault, you know, confess, own up to those things. Matthew 18, verse 15, if your brother trespasses against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he shall hear you, you, shall, you have gained your brother. You've won him, won him over. So that is to make sure that, you know, nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Uh, when a brother trespasses, you know, and we go to him, and as, you know, as James 5, 16 says, confess your faults. You, you, that person who may not have known that he has done something wrong might say, well, you know, I'm like that. I, I say things, I put my foot in my mouth sometimes, and I do things that um, I know people misunderstand, and, and, and I'm sorry, you confess your faults, and then, then you're healed. So we make sure, however, that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to one another. And uh, we're expected by Christ to keep the commandments and, and to follow his wisdom. Doing only, you know, keeping the commandments is just doing only what uh, is required of us. But we know also that grace is not permission to sin or to go against the law. Salvation is not earned. It's a pardoning love because we're not perfect even as we seek to obey righteousness, even as we seek to try to hit the mark. Christ, <clears throat> while living as a son of man and born of human flesh, and he was subject to the very same temptations and trials and pulls of human nature as we are. But he was and is sinless, and he sits at the right hand of God as our daily, our high priest. His aim when he came was to become righteousness for us as our pure and holy savior to save those who believe in his redeeming sacrifice. This missing the mark sometimes we know we can look back upon our own lives and, and know where we've missed the mark at times. 
On my cell phone, I have this, uh, this, little, this game that I've downloaded, and it's, uh, you, th you throw this paper wad at, at a wastebasket, and uh, there's a fan on one side. You, you try to adjust for the, you know, the wind current on that side so that you make it in. And the highest I've got was four in a row. And, but you might get two in that wastebasket on that side, then you go to the left side, the wind's blowing from that side, you make adjustments. And still, you know, I keep missing. So I can't get, if you miss, you have to go back to zero. And that's been the way it has been. I, uh, I even don't know if that is, that four was what I did or what maybe my grandson did, but <laughs> I can't get past two because I'm always starting over and I'm on the easy, the easy uh, level. But it's a fun game. I keep trying, hoping I'll, you know, make it and not miss the mark. And that's, you know, that's the way our life is. We, we keep adjusting for the currents, put our fingers up in the wind, you know, see what side dries off the fastest and we make adjustments. So <clears throat> Christ, you know, came righteous and pure just to take upon himself and be our perfect sacrifice, to be yours, to be mine, and take upon him the death penalty for our sins and for missing the mark of perfection. Once more, according to this book, Essential Judaism, it says that the Sabbath that falls between the days of awe is called the Sabbath of repentance or returning. And so this is the Sabbath that falls between, you know, uh, the day of Feast of Trumpets and the Day of Atonement. And the book uh, quotes or gives, at this service, it is probable that one will hear a sermon on the theme of repentance, often given by the leader of the Jewish community, exhorting Jews to repent, even before it became a custom for a rabbi to sermonize on a regular basis. So the aim of the days of awe, from the Feast of Trumpets to the Day of Atonement, are seen as days of repentance, with the Sabbath in between a uh, a reminder of the report, uh, importance of repentance and, and returning from failing to live up to one's potential and obligations. You know, ever how we see this, we understand that the holy days point to the loving sacrifice of Jesus Christ and to the love of God in laying out a plan of salvation for, for all of mankind, including all of us. So from Passover, in the first month, when we accept the sacrificial blood of the Lamb, the blood of Christ to save us from death and from the wages of sin, to the last of the holy days that are in this seventh month, we see stages of conversion that is being laid out for our spiritual understanding, things that lead us to repentance and returning. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 it says to let no man judge you in meat or in food in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the sabbath days which are a shadow of things to come but the body is of christ so we see that there these holy days are a shadow of things to come they are prophetic they have prophetic uh, significance and things that we can learn from these holy days, but they're just a shadow of things that are going to come. So this is the seventh month that holds the final th uh, three holy days, picturing a time that is yet to come. 
We know the uh, number seven to be uh, symbolic of completion. Creation was seven days, and the seventh day completes the seven-day uh, weekly so uh, cycle, ending with the Sabbath. 7,000 years is understood to be the uh, age of man. And so, a few days ago, we observed the Feast of Trumpets. Numbers 29.1, in the seventh month, on the first day, uh, we see that there was a holy convocation and with no servile work, and it was to be remembered as a blowing of the trumpets. It is a day of blowing the trumpets unto you. So from Lawrence, you know, we, we heard some of those, what those trumpet sounds represented. And from other past messages on that day, it was a memorial. We learned it was a memorial of the blowing of trumpets, a day of shofar blasts, and 100 or so of those were sounded throughout the land. The shofar, as uh, Lawrence also brought out, is, is translated as a ram's horn, though a goat, gazelle, or antelope horn is acceptable. And we heard about the silver trumpets. Now, these horns had to have sounded loudly throughout the land. And you can imagine the people in, or in the surrounding countryside hearing these from afar off probably aroused their curiosity to where some of them probably went to check, to check it out. You know, what's all that noise that, that's coming? All these trumpets, let's go check it out. And so they heard all these trumpets. So there was this calling. And maybe some of them inquired, well, what is this all about? So these trumpets were a call, and they sounded loudly throughout the, throughout the land. And when you think of the trumpets as the beginning of months, with the blowing of the trumpets, plural, there's one, uh, well, three important things that we can take from this because it is the eternal God's sounding of the trumpets, sounding to us, the people, that day. And it's not our sounding to him blowing those trumpets. It's his sounding to us that we are to be reminded that, one, the great Sabbath month has begun with the blasting of trumpets, not just as a warning sound, but as a call to come together in a holy congregation before God and to remember things about that day. Not only the past, but the future, like the great resurrection that is to come, and to look ahead also to those fearsome, to those awesome days that are ahead when the world is going to be in turmoil, greater than it is now, when the wrath of God is poured out. You know, we remember in uh, the, uh, the first, the Iraq War, we, it was called shock and awe. And so the next thing that's important is that we see also it announces that there is uh, what's coming next is the uh, Solomon Day of Atonement, that it's near. And then that three, the joyous Feast of Tabernacles follow along with the uh, last great day, the eighth day. So as we look back to the beginning of the holy days, way, you know, way back in spring, starting with the seven days of unleavened bread, and now to the seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles, we see uh, the promise of God's salvation, what he has in store this seventh month, and the, and the uh, culmination of all, of all the things that have transpired from that uh, day in spring when we kept uh, Passover, unleavened bread, went through Pentecost, Feast of Trumpets, and what's ahead. So these are the days of all. Not just the ten that, you know, transpired from uh, Feast of Trumpets to uh, the Day of Atonement. So we look at all of these as days of all. 
that these days are very awesome when you, when you really think deeply about the meaning behind these, these days. In Leviticus 23, verse 26, the, the Lord spoke unto Moses, <coughs> saying, Also on the tenth day of this seventh month there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you, and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So we see that this day is coming up, and, you know, there's a lot of things uh, in that that, you know, I'm, uh, Steve will probably go through when he gives the sermon on the Day of Atonement. So we see a day coming, a day of atonement and expiation of sin, and we are to gather and congregate on that day in a holy convocation because it is a Sabbath day. A day like today, sanctified, set apart from the other six days as a time to cease from uh, labor and come together, just as we do today in the weekly Sabbath. And, you know, so much more, it says, as we see the day coming. You know, we just really can't uh, expect. You know, you could miss the mark. You could miss some vital information. Uh, if, you know, some Sabbath, something goes on and, and you don't hear about it. There was, uh, in, in our early days of attending church, uh, when we came back uh, from uh, the Panhandle to uh, live in Eufaula, uh, our church area was over there in Fort Smith. And so uh, one day we went, and we had never missed a church service, and for all the time that we had gone to church services, uh, living out in the Panhandle, we went about 128 miles each Sabbath uh, to uh, Amarillo, or to, and some distance to Liberal, uh, but uh, here, we, you know, it was just an hour away, Fort Smith. But we couldn't find the church. We somehow missed it. We didn't know where it was. We got lost, you know, uh, in Arkansas, like David did, you know. <laughs> but uh, Fort Smith, uh, you know, how oh, we can find it. So, but we didn't find it. And we missed it. We missed the mark. We thought we were going to miss the mark because since we were so ingrained about, you know, attending services and being there on time, we thought, well, they may have gone on the flight. And here we are. We miss our chance to get out of town, to get out of Dodge, you know. And so uh, those things, you know, uh, when, you, when you're keeping the holy days, when you are so attuned to them to even... Uh, start to let go of them, it becomes a habit, and you begin missing a lot of vital instruction. I know sometimes, especially the older people like me, you know, you've been there, you've done that, you've heard it all, uh, but sometimes, you know, there are things that uh, come along that, you know, you just can't miss. Uh, it's like when you're training or practicing something, you miss one lesson or something, and you feel like uh, you're so ingrained in the habit that, uh, to, to miss it, you feel like a part of your time has been wasted. But in Exodus verse 13 of chapter 31, Speak you also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. And the reason is, if you read the last part here, that you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. So we know that there are blessings to keeping the Sabbath as in the holy days, and that includes the weekly Sabbath, because in them we learn of God as our Father, and that he has great love for us, 
and he has taken care of us in a lot of ways, some unseen ways, and has helped us to understand what life and death is all about. And he has given us expectations and, and great promises, and he has opened to us the door of salvation. Come in. You know, the, my door is always open, and we are able to enter the Holy of Holies uh, with great confidence and, and say our prayers and beseech him. And there are many other good things in, to keeping the Sabbath. 1 Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 16, you know, he has said this uh, to us, because it is written, be you holy, for I am holy. To be holy, the Greek word is hagios, is to be set apart as sacred, to be worshipful and blameless. To be holy is to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit of the eternal God and called. Leviticus 23 Verse 28, you shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement, speaking of the atonement that's coming, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And whatsoever soul it be that does any work in that same day, the same soul will I destroy from among his people. Verse 31, you shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest, and you shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at even, from even unto even, shall you celebrate your Sabbath. So in reading this, sometimes you think, well, what if you miss the mark? What if you're not there? What's going to happen? Well, we see the warning here. Whatever, uh, whatsoever soul uh, does any work in that day. Uh, it shall be a, a Sabbath of rest, and you shall celebrate your Sabbath. That, that is the Day of Atonement. This word celebrate, where it says you shall celebrate your Sabbath in regard to this Day of Atonement, this word celebrate is in common usage means, you know, mark to mark an occasion with festive activity. You know, enjoyable activity. You know, atonement, of course, is, is hardly a day in which there is much celebration. So it's a solemn day. So the Hebrew word here is Shabbat, which means to repose, to desist from exertion, so to pause and to rest on the Sabbath. Then we go over to Leviticus chapter, or verses, chapter 23, verse 33. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. And we see these, you know, as awesome days that are coming. You know, when we refer to uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, you know, coming after the Day of Atonement, Time of Atonement, uh, we often say the Feast. And we know what each one is talking about. Are you going to the feast? Or where are you going uh, for the feast? The feast is on its way, or this is feast weather. So we know pretty much what the feast is. And uh, it's just a word that just sounds awesome to many of us. Because a feast, like David says, it brings up a lot of good memories and happenings. Family, friends, places, sights, sounds, 
awesome times. And, you know, sometimes as the weather changed here in Oklahoma, you, you kind of get that feeling. Uh, uh, this, this weather just reminds me of the feast. And so we look forward to it. Now, do you remember your first feast? Uh, David remembers his pretty much. And he's got it. He remembers the good things and he remembers the bad things. And that's, that's life. You know, we have a lot of good. We have a lot of bad. And we overcome those things because, you know, we, we try to have a good attitude, put into practice uh, the peace of Christ. Uh, we, uh, when we went to our first feast, it was down in, down in Big Sandy. We camped out. We pulled a trailer, and we had to have a trailer hitch put on. And uh, then we were very short on funds, but we made it to the feast there at Camp Aloma, first time. And uh, then on our way back, you know, we, uh, we didn't know if we were going to have enough just fuel to make it. So, but we did. We made it. And uh, a lot of things we learned at the feast. I learned not to touch moonshine. <laughs> they, that still goes around places like that. <laughs> In fact, I didn't drink until I got into the Church of God, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but I learned this, that, you know, no drunkard shall inherit the kingdom of God. They're, they're going to be left out. And so that's, that's the key. You don't, you don't go beyond uh, what, what wine or what uh, beverages can do to you because then it becomes uh, sinful. It beca you start to missing the mark. You can't touch your nose if the uh, police officer pulls you over and wants you to touch your nose. You miss the mark. So, so we, uh, we all have, you know, experiences about about the feast good good experiences verse 35 we know that on the first day shall be a holy convocation you shall do no servile work therein no excessive you know out of the way service seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the lord on the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you and you shall offer an offering made uh, by fire unto the lord it's a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no survival work therein. Down to verse uh, 39. <clears throat> also, in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, uh, this, you know, David read this, uh, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And you know, that marks, that marks the last great day. And verse 40, and you sh uh, shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. These are uh, the seven days. So, you know, Dave was talking about uh, planning ahead. So uh, don't forget to take these along with you. The goodly trees, these palm trees, these boughs. Well, we know times are different, and when you look at these goodly trees, uh, you realize that they are just right for setting up a temporary shelter. The thick boughs, they would give strength to the shelter, stability to the shelter. The willows, you know, would be right for bending and shaping. Uh, the hut, and for weaving various things, and the palm branches would be good for a windbreak and for a, a shade. 
So we see the, uh, it says, on, you shall take you on the first day. And so we know that the, the first day would be, would be a Sabbath, a day of rest. But it may have been permissible to assemble these in no time and with excitement, much like you know, setting up a, a, a camping tent. I, I don't know. Or it could mean on the day ahead of the Sabbath, which you know, sometimes we, we, we go one day ahead and, and be prepared. But in verse 41, But you shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year, and it shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Now this time, the word celebrate is, the Hebrew, is from the Hebrew word kagag, meaning to move in a circle or march in a sacred or orderly procession, but by implication, it means to be giddy. And you know, we've, we've heard that used earlier, to be, to be giddy. And you know, some do celebrate it that way. <laughs> and some do, you know, dance in circles. And there, there are some that, you know, will literally take all of these a, as a way. But in verse 42, ye shall dwell in booths, sukkah, meaning huts as, uh, as of entwined boughs layers, tents, or tabernacles, seven days. So wherever we go, however, we usually have a room that is uh, waiting for us at the feast site, and, and, and then we move in. So you can imagine that, in that awesome day to come when there is a resurrection of those who kept you know, the feast in the wilderness, who had to make their huts, and they look and say, how did you keep the feast? And you tell them, oh, we had a good time. We had a good ocean view. And we had this air-conditioned room. We had these soft beds, and it's going to be different. But we understand that it is, you know, to remember a time when God brought them out of Egypt, out of sin, and had them dwell in these booths along the way. So, verse 43, the reason... Uh, we observe the feast, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. So it's a remembrance of that time, a journey back to those days. And it's filled with lessons that can relate to us today as, as modern saints of God. And we are modern saints of God. We, we do things differently sometimes. And, you know... Uh, you can go back and do those things that, uh, that have ancient traditions tied to them. You can do those. But you're keeping the feast before God. You're rejoicing before God. But these are days of awe from the time we begin the Feast of Trumpets through atonement, through the tabernacles, and the last uh, great day. We heard in the sermon at the Feast of Trumpets, that they remind us of, uh, of a coming trumpet of plagues that will be poured out on that, that awesome day of the Lord. We see where seven angels stood before God, and they were given seven trumpets. These trumpets symbolizing uh, a series of plagues which are to fall upon uh, the, uh, the earth, the enemies of God. And when these plagues are poured out, they poured out on the land, they poured out on the sea, they poured out on the rivers and into the atmosphere where, you know, man's life support system comes from. 
And that will be an awesome day, a day of awe, mixed, you know, mixed with fear. Because there will be such a drastic change in you know, the conditions of the world. Uh, it, you know, it says that uh, the Apostle John, let's go to Revelation 8, verse 13. The Apostle John saw these awesome sights, and he wrote in verse 13, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the air, through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to sound. Then in Revelation 10, Verses 1 through, see, he saw another awesome sight. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was, as it were, the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. You have to use your imagination in viewing this. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. And cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And then John, he describes Christ coming to judge and make war. And following him is this great army of angels. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We see, you know, this awesome day that is to come. Verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the... Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. So we know how this, this, uh, this wicked is coming. And he's coming after the working, after the urging, after the, uh, the influence of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Verse 10, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. They didn't want to hear Christ's message. They don't want to hear Christ's message. They don't want to know about God and his ways. They'd rather believe in their own way. Matthew 24, verse 21, it says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of this world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Those are days of awe. And these are days of awe that we live in when you think about the, the power that man possesses in which he can, you know, destroy the earth, just as we know, hundreds of times over. All these events and the return of Christ will be... Uh, will be on a day of trumpets, transpiring over a period of time and not just, you know, in that one day. But it will be a time when the world will be desperate for peace. Men's heart will be failing them because out of fear and not knowing what to do. Everything is going to seem lost and they just don't have the heart to, to go on. And some will, you know, hide in caves. Those will be days of awe. But then we know Another awesome thing to come is that there will come a great multitude from all nations, from various languages and tongues, who will turn to God, who will return to God and come out of this coming uh, tribulation and be clothed and given 
uh, white robes. And one of the awesome things of that time that we see in the Feast of Trumpets, at the last trump, that awesome event, verse uh, 52 of Corinthians chapter 15, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. We shall all be changed. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So those days that are to come will be like no other. And then, you know, comes the Day of Atonement, coming after the Day of Trumpets in kind of a, a sequential order. You know, that day will be a time of national forgiveness, and the sins of man will be forgiven, covered by the uh, Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb, an awesome day of expiation of sin. Leviticus 16, we see that the atonement ceremony pictured the sacrifice of Christ. And this coming day of awe pictures also a jubilee, uh, a day of liberty, when man is, you know, being set free from all sin, from disease, from blindness, uh, missing limbs, no longer uh, missing, all sorts of sickness will be uh, gotten rid of. Leviticus 25, verse 9 through 10, it says, Then shall you cause a trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month, and the day of atonement, which is coming up, shall you make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. And you shall hallow the fiftieth year, which is what we were talking about just a little bit, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man unto his possession, and ye shall return every man unto his family. And, you know, repentance often uh, will precede these, uh, this day of redemption. And then we know, uh, then comes the feast, or the feast of booths or tabernacles. So we see an awesome time to look forward to when there will be rejoicing and people will dwell in safety and the living word will go out to all the world from Jerusalem. Nations will not learn war anymore or, their, or hatred or crime or violence. And then comes that last great day. So these days of awe make up this seventh month. As mentioned earlier, the Feast of Trumpets, the blowing of which signaled to Israel that the sabbatic month had begun and that the Day of Atonement was uh, uh, near and was connected you know, by the ten days and that there was the seven days of uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, these to us are all days of awe that God has set before us in, in this seventh month. And so we do approach them with a measure of respect and a measure of fear because we see their mean, meaning and we can rejoice in the good things that these days of awe are going to bring to us. These days we know are prophetic. And since these days of awe are all part of the seventh month, they can be connected with what we know as the last times. And they are revealing of those awesome things that are to come. The end of this age is a time of harvest or an end gathering. On the day of trumpets, we, you know, we see a calling. And Deuteronomy chapter 16, once again, 
You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days. After that, you have gathered in your corn and your wine. And verse 14, you shall rejoice in your feast. I won't read through all of this. And verse 15, seven days shall you keep a solemn feast unto the Lord in the place which the Lord shall choose. So the end of this age of man going his own way will be ended. And God's knowledge will be, will be spread to replace those errors with, with truth. Matthew chapter 13 you know, we read about the kingdom parables, verse 34. All these things spoke Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them, and that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept in secret from the foundation of the world. In between uh, verses 35 to uh, 42, uh, just moving on down to verse 43, we, you know, we see where the disciples ask Christ, you know, declare unto this, this parable of the tares. He told them that uh, he that sows a good seed is the son of man, that the field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one, and that the enemy that sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the, uh, the age, and the reapers are the angels, and like tares that are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this age. In verse 43, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father who, who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's our Christian aim and every Sabbath of rest is a sign between God and his children aiming to be like Jesus Christ. Not giving up but overcoming and not, you know, not by our power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the love of God, through our prayers for each other. Finally, uh, in Zechariah chapter 14, uh, verse 8, And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea, in summer and in winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord, and his name one. All the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem. And it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place. From Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate, unto the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananiel, unto the king's winepresses. And men shall dwell in it. And there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. Drop on down to verse 16. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, you know, it's all those nations that refuse to go up, even upon them shall be no rain. You know, rain is a blessing. Uh, it grows your crops and it cools, it cools you off. It, it's something that every nation, you know, wants to have, a, a source of water. But that will be withheld if they disobey. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not that have no rain there shall be the plague 
wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. So we see, you know, even in this, that there are going to be some people who are stubborn, uh, those in which, you know, uh, the seed of Satan is still in their minds, a seed of rebellion and, and distrust. And, but, uh, so there's going to be a time of, you know, conversion, a time in which, you know, as you reap, so will you, you sow. In verse 19, this shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So we see this awesome day that are ahead. They are uh, God's commandments, commandment to us. Those are the days of all, days uh, of an awesome time to come. And so these holy days, these Sabbath days that we keep, you know, they're a sign between God and his, his people. And we should get charged from these days of all. Be all inspired beginning today that, you know, we may learn to fear, as it says in Scripture, that we may learn to uh, fear God always. <laughs>